ask you to please stand. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Beloved in the Lord, let us draw near with a true heart and confess our sins unto God our Father, beseeching him in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ. Our help is in the name of the Lord. I said I will confess my transgressions unto the Lord. O Almighty God, merciful Father, I, a poor, miserable sinner, confess unto thee all my sins and iniquities with which I have ever offended thee and justly deserve thy temporal and eternal punishment. But I am heartily sorry for them and sincerely repent of them. And I pray thee of thy boundless mercy and for the sake of the holy, innocent, bitter sufferings and death of thy beloved son, Jesus Christ, to be gracious and merciful to me, a poor sinful being. Upon this, your confession, I by virtue of my office, as they called an ordained servant of the word, announce the grace of God unto all of you. And in the stead and by the command of my Lord Jesus Christ, I forgive you all your sins in the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Our psalm for today is Psalm number 25. If you would turn to the inside cover of your bulletin, we will read this responsibly with the congregation, reading those portions in bold type. To you, O Lord, I lift up my soul. O my God, I trust in you. Do not let me be ashamed. Do not let my enemies triumph over me. Also, let no one who waits for you be ashamed. Let them be ashamed to transgress without cause. Lead me in your truth and teach me, for you are the God of my salvation. On you I wait all the day. Remember, O Lord, your tender mercies and your loving kindnesses, for they have always been from the Lord. Do not remember the sins of my youth nor my transgression. According to your mercy, remember me for your goodness sake, O Lord. He will guide the meek in judgment, and to the meek he will teach his way. For your name's sake, O Lord, pardon my iniquity, for it is great. His soul shall dwell at ease, and his seed shall inherit the earth. My eyes are continually toward the Lord, for he will pluck my feet out of the net. Turn to me and have mercy upon me, for I am desolate and 
The troubles of my heart are enlarged. Oh, bring me out of my distresses. Consider my enemies, for they are many, and they hate me with cruel hatred. But integrity and uprightness preserve me, for I wait on you. trust in you, without whom nothing is strong, nothing is holy, increase and multiply us upon us your mercy, that you, being our ruler and guide, we 
may so pass through things temporal that we finally lose not the things eternal. Through Jesus Christ, your Son, our Lord, who lives and reigns with you in the Holy Spirit, ever one God, world without end. You may be seated. realized I forgot to turn on do not disturb and I would hate for the phone to start ringing in the middle of a scripture reading we for our catechism lesson today we continue looking at baptism and today we look at what the power of baptism is in question 288 we read how can water do such great things and the answer is, it's not the water indeed that does them, but the word of God, which is in and with the water, and faith, which trusts such word of God in the water. For without the word of God, the water is simple water and no baptism. But with the word of God, it is a baptism, that is, a gracious water of life and a washing of regeneration in the Holy Ghost, as St. Paul says in Titus chapter 3. According to his mercy, he saved us by the washing of regeneration and renewing of the Holy Spirit, which he shed on us abundantly through Jesus Christ, our Savior, so that being justified by his grace, we should be made heirs according to the hope of eternal life. Has water by itself the power to do such great things? And again, the answer is no, it's not the mere water indeed that does them. How is it then that the water of baptism forgives, how is it then that by the water of baptism, forgiveness of sins, deliverance from death and the devil, and eternal salvation are obtained? The word of God, which is in and with the water, conveys these great things into baptism. For without the word of God, the water is simple water and no baptism. But faith, which trusts such word of God in the water, takes them out of baptism and appropriates them unto itself. We read in Ephesians 5, 25 through 27, Christ also loved the church and gave himself for it, so that he might sanctify and cleanse it with the washing of water by the word, that he might present it to himself a glorious church, not having spot or wrinkle or any such thing but that it should be holy and without blemish. The epistle reading for today is recorded in 1 John chapter 5, beginning at the first verse. Whoever believes that Jesus is the Christ is born of God, and everyone who loves him who is begot loves him also who is begotten by him. By this we know that we love the children of God, when we love God and keep his commandments. For this is the love of God, that we keep his commandments, and his commandments are not grievous. For whatever is born of God overcomes the world, 
And this is the victory that overcomes the world, our faith. Who is he who overcomes the world? But he who believes that Jesus is the Son of God. This is he who came by water and blood, Jesus Christ, not by water only, but by water and blood. And it is the Spirit who bears testimony, because the Spirit is truth. For there are three who bear testimony in heaven, the Father, the Word, and the Holy Spirit, and these three are one. And there are three that bear testimony on earth, the Spirit, the water, and the blood, and these three agree in one. For if we receive the testimony of men, the testimony of God is greater. For this is the testimony of God, which he has testified of his Son. He who believes in the Son of God has the witness in himself. He who does not believe God has made him a liar because he has not believed the testimony that God gave of his Son. And this is the testimony that God has given to us eternal life, and this life is in his Son. He who has the Son has life, and he who does not have the Son of God does not have life. These things I have written to you who believe in the name of the Son of God, so that you may know that you have eternal life, and that you may believe in the name of the Son of God. And this is the confidence that we have in him, that if we ask anything according to his will, he hears us. And if we know that he hears us, whatever we ask, we know that we have the petitions that we desired from him. If any man sees his brother sinning a sin not leading to death, he shall ask, and God will give him life for those who sin not leading to death. There is a sin leading to death. I do not say he shall pray for it. All unrighteousness is sin, and there is sin not leading to death. We know that whoever is born of God does not sin, but he who is begotten of God keeps himself, and that wicked one does not touch him. And we know that we are of God, and the whole world lies in wickedness. And we know that the Son of God has come and has given us an understanding so that we may know him who is true. And we are in him who is true, even in his Son, Jesus Christ. This is the true God and eternal life. Little children, keep yourselves from idols. Amen. Here ends our reading of the epistle. I ask you to please rise for the reading of the Holy Gospel. The Holy Gospel appointed for today is recorded in St. Luke's Gospel in chapter 15, beginning at the first verse. Then all the tax collectors and sinners drew near to him to hear him. And the Pharisees and scribes murmured, saying, This man receives sinners and eats with them. And he spoke this parable to them, saying, What man of you, having one hundred sheep, if he loses one of them, does not leave the ninety-nine in the wilderness and go after that which is lost until he finds it? And when he has found it, he lays it on his shoulders, rejoicing. And when he comes home, he calls together his friends and neighbors, saying to them, Rejoice with me, for I have found my sheep which was lost. I say to you that likewise, 
joy shall be in heaven over one sinner who repents more than over 99 just persons who need no repentance. Or what woman having 10 pieces of silver, if she loses one piece, does not light a candle, sweep the house and diligently seek until she finds it. And when she has found it, she calls her friends and her neighbors together saying, rejoice with me for I have found the piece which I had lost. Likewise, I say to you, there is joy in the presence of the angels of God over one sinner who repents. Here ends our reading of the Holy Gospel. We join in confessing our faith, and today we use the words of the Nicene Creed found on page 22. I believe in one God, the Father Almighty, maker of heaven and earth, and of all things visible and invisible, and in one Lord Jesus Christ, the only begotten Son of God, begotten of his Father before all worlds, God of God, light of light, very God of very God, begotten, not made, being of one substance with the Father, by whom all things were made, who for us men and for our salvation came down from heaven and was incarnate by the Holy Ghost of the Virgin Mary, and was made man, and was crucified also for us under Pontius Pilate. He suffered and was buried, and the third day he rose again according to the scriptures, and ascended to heaven, and sitteth on the right hand of the Father. And he shall come again with glory to judge both the quick and the dead, whose kingdom shall have no end. Believe in the Holy Ghost, the Lord and giver of life, who proceedeth from the Father and the Son, with the Father and the Son together is worshipped and glorified, who spake by the prophets. And I believe one holy Christian and apostolic church. I acknowledge one baptism for the remission of sins, and I look for the resurrection of the dead and the life of the world to come. You may be seated. We continue by singing hymn 334, Let Me Be Thine Forever.
I ask you to bow your heads and join me in a word of prayer. Dear Heavenly Father, we pray your Holy Spirit's blessing upon the speaking and the hearing of your word this day, that we might be built up in our faith in our Lord Jesus Christ, that we might not turn away from him, but hold fast to him and to trust in him for forgiveness and life. We pray in Jesus' name, amen. The word of God, which we consider today is our epistle lesson and especially the final verse where it says, little children, keep yourselves from idols, amen. As we hear, especially this last verse, this short statement, we might think, well, oh, I don't worship idols. But the fact is that idolatry is all over around us and even in Christian churches. In order to better understand this command, this urging, I turn to Exodus chapter 20, where God says, I am the Lord your God who has brought you out of the land of Egypt, out of the house of bondage. You shall have no other gods before me. You shall not make for yourself any engraved image or any likeness of anything that is in heaven above or that is in the earth beneath or that is in the water under the earth. You shall not bow down yourself to them nor serve them. For I, the Lord your God, am a jealous God, visiting the iniquity of the fathers upon the children to the third and fourth generations of those who hate me and showing mercy to thousands of those who love me and keep my commandments. When we think of idols, we usually think of images of wood or stone or metal sculpted to represent some idea of God. And certainly when it says, keep yourself from idols, it's probably pretty easy for us today to say, well, you know, I don't worship any graven image. But as we see from Exodus chapter 20, we're not to make a likeness of anything that is in heaven above or that is in earth beneath or that is in the water under the earth. And it often happens that people's idols are an image of God that they make right up here in their mind. And they view God to be like themselves. And so they think God thinks like they think instead of trying to conform their thoughts to the thoughts of God revealed to us in the Holy Scriptures. And so you will find many people who worship and serve a God who just loves everybody and would never judge or condemn anyone. We find people who worship a God who allows homosexuality, who allows same-sex marriages, who allows abortion, and thinks all is okay. But it is not the God who reveals himself in the Bible. It is the image of God that they have made right up here in their heads. And so they worship an idol. In our epistle lesson today, we see that idolatry also includes worshiping any God beside the true God the triune God, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Because God has revealed himself to us in the scriptures as being one. We think of the Shema or the 
confession of the Jews based on Deuteronomy chapter 6, verse 4, where it says, Hear, O Israel, the Lord your God, Yahweh, is one. And you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your might. And so God is one. But we also know that God is three persons, for Jesus commands us to baptize in the name of the one true God, but he says to baptize in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. And again, there are many passages that we can look at in regard to the doctrine of the Trinity. And even in our lesson today in 1 John chapter 5, it speaks of three who bear testimony in heaven, the Father, the Word, and the Holy Spirit, and these three are one. And so whenever people worship a God beside the triune God of the Bible, they are worshiping an idol. Again, something that they either make up in their imagination or misunderstand from their interpretations of the scriptures. And we can think, of course, of many examples of these, probably best known to us are some of the cults which worship a God, but do not accept the Trinity. And so there are those who worship Jehovah God, but believe that Jesus is just a son of God, not the only begotten son of God, who is true God with the Father from eternity, and who do not believe that the Holy Spirit is a person of the Trinity, but just God's active force. And of course, we could go through heresy after heresy after heresy regarding the Trinity. Uh, probably one of the most popular today is to view God as one God who comes to us in three different ways, sometimes as a father and sometimes as a brother and, a, and the son of God, and sometimes as a gentle spirit who guides us. That error is known as modal monarchianism, and people like to use the illustration of, of water. Sometimes it's ice and hard, sometimes it's liquid, and sometimes it's steam, and yet it's always H2O water. But it's not a valid description of the God who has revealed himself to us in the Bible. And of course, there are many who deny the Son. And if they deny the Son, they are denying the Father also. In 1 John chapter 2, at verse 23, we read these words. It always helps if I'm in 1 John, especially when I turn to a book that doesn't even have 23 verses in the third chapter. But in 1 John chapter 2, it says, whoever denies the Son... The Son does not have the Father, but, or, but whoever denies the Son, the same does not have the Father, but he who acknowledges the Son has the Father also. And we can also think of Jesus' words, you know, he says, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No man cometh unto the Father but by me. And so all those groups which would deny the Son do not have the Father either. They do not worship and serve the true God. And so we have to say of the Jewish faith, which rejects the Son, 
that they don't even worship and serve the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob anymore because they have rejected God the Son. We have to say of Islam, which believes in Allah or God, but rejects the deity of the Son, that they do not worship and serve the true God of the Bible. We have to say of Mormonism, Jehovah's Witnesses, who reject the Son as he's revealed himself, that they are not worshiping the triune God of the Bible. Of course, we can go on down with lists of those who reject the Son and so do not have the Father. One of the most prominent groups that Lutherans often had to deal with uh, more in the past than now, but they're still here, are some of the lodges which claim to worship the true God, the grand architect of the universe, and yet rejected the Son as the eternal Son of God and the only way to God the Father being through faith in the Son because they taught that it was by their works and by the good things that they did that they could be pleasing to God. Even some of that crept into groups like the Boy Scouts of America. And of course, there were those who denied the humanity of the Son. This too is pointed out in John's first epistle. In 1 John chapter 4, in the opening verses, it says, By this you know the Spirit of God. Every spirit that confesses that Jesus Christ has come in the flesh is from God. And every spirit that does not confess that Jesus Christ has come in the flesh is not from God. And this is that spirit of Antichrist, which you have heard that it should come, and even now already is it in the world. And so those who said that, you know, Jesus really didn't come in the flesh, He's the son of God, and that is just, you know, his body, some describe it as a phantom, uh, not a true body, not truly human, are denying the deity of the son, and are denying the son, and therefore are committing adultery. We might hear all those things and say, ah, we're safe. We are not guilty of idolatry. However, when you read 1 John, you quickly see that anyone who does not acknowledge and confess his sins and trust in the shed blood of our Lord Jesus Christ for mercy and forgiveness is guilty of idolatry. Because how do we have fellowship with the Father? It is through the Son. If we say we have no sin, if we deny our sins, or if we're seeking to be righteous in God's eyes by our own works, we are worshiping an idol and not the true God. The same is also true of those who use the gospel as a license for sin. I talked to you about this before in a previous sermon, but you know, in 1 John where it talks about if we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. And then in chapter two, my little children, these things I write to you so that you do not sin. And if any man sins, we have an advocate with the Father, Jesus Christ, the righteous, and he is a propitiation for our sins and not for ours only, but also for the sins of the whole world. But it goes on to say, by this we know that we know him if we keep his commandments. He who says, I know him and does not keep his commandments is a liar, 
and the truth is not in him. And so those who say, well, yes, I'm sorry for my sins. I trust in Christ. But then go on and willfully live in disobedience to God's commandments. They're not worshiping and serving the true God, but they have fallen into idolatry. We've also seen as we've gone through this, that one who claims to love God, but does not love his brother is only deceiving himself because as John writes, how can we love God whom we have not seen if we do not love our brother that we do see? And so those who claim to love God and to trust in the God who loved us in such a way that he sent his son to die for us and pay for our sins, but then we don't love our brother, we are deceiving ourselves. And so we see that idolatry even covers that. In our text today, we have a passage which is troubling to many, but it fits under this same category because after it talks about the fact that eternal life is in the Son, and it speaks about the fact that when we trust in the Son, we have this great privilege of going to God our Father in prayer, and he will hear and answer our requests. It goes on to say, if any man sees his brother sinning a sin not leading to death, he shall ask, and God will give him life for those who sin not leading to death. Then it says, there is a sin leading to death. I do not say that, you, that he shall pray for it. All unrighteousness is sin, and there is a sin not to death. And so those who sin against the Holy Spirit, those who reject the Holy Spirit's leading and guiding through the word, end up guilty of idolatry. For when the Holy Spirit points out to us our utter sinfulness, and then reveals to us Jesus Christ who suffered and died for our sins, if we refuse to accept the witness of the Holy Spirit and acknowledge our sinfulness and place our faith in Christ and what he's done for us on the cross, our worship and service to God is idolatry. Because the only ones who can come to the Lord God are those who are penitent sinners trusting in the mercy of God in our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. There are many passages which deal with the sin. In the Gospel of Matthew, in Matthew chapter 12, I think is probably one of the best known passages where Jesus addresses the sin against the Holy Ghost. Here he says, therefore I say to you, for all manner of sin and blasphemy shall be forgiven, but for the blasphemy against the Holy Spirit, men shall not be forgiven. And whoever speaks a word against the Son of Man, it shall be forgiven, but whoever speaks against the Holy Spirit, it shall not be forgiven, neither in this world or in the world to come. In order to understand this, it's helpful to back up and see what it is that Jesus is addressing. And when you look back, you see that there was a person who was demon-possessed, and he was blind and mute, and Jesus healed him, so that the blind and mute both spoke and saw. 
All the people are amazed and said, is not this the son of David? In other words, is he not the Messiah? Is he not the Christ who is to come? But when the Pharisees heard it, they said, this man does not cast out demons, but by Beelzebub, the prince of demons. And so they had all the evidence there. They saw the great miracles that Jesus did, but in spite of the convicting work of the Holy Spirit, the Holy Spirit pointing them to Jesus as the Messiah, they always rejected it and came up with some reason why they would not accept Jesus as their Messiah and Savior. And so Jesus warned, you know, if you blaspheme, if you speak against the Holy Spirit, if you reject his work and you continue in that, it cannot be forgiven because how does God bring one to faith in Christ? It is through the Holy Spirit's working through the word of God that we come to faith. If we reject the working of the Holy Spirit and we fight against it, there is no hope. And so John tells his readers that there is a sin, not unto death. If one falls into sin, we should pray for them that they repent. But if one, there is a sin unto death. If one is rejecting Jesus Christ and the true gospel, it may have come to the point where there is no hope. Peter also writes of those who do this in 2 Peter chapter 2, where he says, For if they have escaped the pollutions of this world through the knowledge of the Lord and Savior Jesus Christ, they are again entangled in them and overcome. The latter end is worse with them than the beginning." For it would have been better for them not to have known the way of righteousness than after they have known it to turn from the holy commandment delivered to them. But it has happened to them according to the true proverb, the dog has turned to his own vomit again and the sow that was washed to her wallowing in the mire. Book of Hebrews also speaks of this, warning against those who willfully continue in sin and that there is no hope for them because they trample underfoot the blood of the covenant by which they were redeemed and count Jesus' blood as a common, unholy thing and do not trust in Christ. Perhaps since we are about to celebrate the birth of our nation and country, I should share these words from the Old Testament in Isaiah chapter 6. In Isaiah chapter 6, Isaiah is in the temple, and the glory of the Lord appears in the temple. And he says, Woe is me, for I am undone, because I'm a man of unclean lips, and I dwell in the midst of a people of unclean lips. For my eyes have seen the King, the Lord of hosts. One of the seraphim flies to him, he has a live coal taken with tongs from the altar, and he lays, lays it on his mouth, on his lips. And he says, Behold, this has touched your lips, and your iniquity is taken away, and you are purged. And then the voice of the Lord calls, Whom shall I send, and who will go for us? Then I said, Here am I, send me. But listen to the message that he was to proclaim to God's chosen people of Israel, to the visible church of the Old Testament times uh, shortly before, not too long before 
they were carried away in captivity. And he said, go and tell this people, in hearing you hear, but do not understand. In seeing you see, but do not perceive. Make the heart of this people fat, make their ears heavy and shut their eyes, lest they see with their eyes, hear with their ears, understand with their heart, and convert and be healed. Then I said, Lord, how long? And he answered, until the cities are wasted without inhabitant, the houses without man, and the land is utterly desolate. And the Lord has removed men far away, and there is a great forsaking in the midst of the land. And then it says, but yet in it shall be a tenth, and it shall return and be eaten as a terebinth and as an oak whose substance is in them when they cast their leaves, so the holy seed shall be its substance. So what is God saying to Isaiah? He is to go and testify to the people. And he is to tell them that they're going to hear but not hear. They're going to see but not see because their hearts have become calloused. They will not hear and accept the truth. They were committing the sin against the Holy Spirit because they would not hear the testimony of God's word and would not repent and look to the Lord God and his promise to send the Messiah. Jesus quotes this passage numerous times and it's also quoted, we read it this morning, the Apostle Paul quoted in Rome when he was visiting with the Jews who he had come to his house where he was staying in Rome. But Jesus explained it. His disciples asked him, well, why do you always speak in parables? And Jesus cited this passage so that hearing they will not hear and seeing they will not see. It's because the people have been rejecting the truth and we're at the point where there may be no hope. That may be the point where we are in our own country. As I said in Bible class, you know, in our enlightened age, we are so smart that we can no longer tell the difference between a man and a woman. We are so smart that we cannot recognize a human being growing in the womb of the mother as a human being. And we could go on down the list. And when we get to Romans 1, verse 18 and following next week in our Bible study, we will see how God hardens people in their unbelief when they have a knowledge of the truth, but continually reject it. This, of course, is idolatry. Rejecting the truth not worshiping and serving the true God, but turning religion and worship into their own ideas about God. There is a hymn verse, we didn't sing it today, but it's written by Thomas Hastings in 1831. You probably know the hymn, Delay Not, Delay Not. The third verse of that hymn, well, at least it's the third verse where I looked. I don't know, there might be more verses, so it might have a different number. But delay not, delay not, the spirit of grace, long grieved and resisted, may take a sad flight and leave you in darkness to finish your race, to sink in the gloom of eternity's night. 
how sad it is that in our country, there are so many who have hardened their hearts against the truth of God's word and rejected and now are angry and hateful toward Christians for proclaiming that truth. Because if they have not come to the point where it's too late, they're certainly close. How sad it is that in churches where the word of God should be preached and proclaimed unashamedly, where people are not speaking the truth, where they seek to please people instead of proclaiming the message of God's word. All of this is idolatry. Now you might wonder, well, what is the message that we should take from John's words, little children, keep yourselves from idols. And of course, we could go through this whole list again and just reverse it. But the point is that we are to worship and to serve the true God. In verse 20, the verse just before John's urging to keep ourselves from idols, we read, and we know that the Son of God has come and has given us an understanding so that we may know him who is true, and we are in him who is true, even in his Son, Jesus Christ. This is the true God and eternal life. When we hear these words, it should remind us of the prayer of our Lord Jesus on the same night when he was betrayed, his high priestly prayer, which is in John chapter 17. And in John 17, in the third verse, Jesus says, and this is eternal life, that they may know you, the only true God and Jesus Christ, whom you have sent. If we are not to worship idols, if we are to keep ourselves from idols, our focus should be on the true God, upon the triune God of the Bible who has revealed himself as such in the Bible and on his son, Jesus Christ. God the son and true man who came into this world to redeem us and pay the price for our sins that we might humbly acknowledge our sins and then look to the cross of Jesus and his shed blood for forgiveness and everlasting life. I close again with words that I read to you so often, I'm hoping that you have them pretty much memorized by now. If we walk in the light as he is in the light, we have fellowship with one another and the blood of Jesus Christ, his son cleanses us from all sin. If we say that we have no sin, we deceive ourselves and the truth is not in us. If we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. If we say that we have not sinned, we make him a liar and his word is not in us. My little children, these things I write to you so that you do not sin. And if any man sins, we have an advocate with the Father, Jesus Christ the righteous, and he is the propitiation for our sins, and not for ours only, but also for the sins of the whole world. The message that John has for you and for me today is to hold fast to the Lord Jesus Christ. As John the Baptist said, Behold the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. 
look to Jesus and his cross for forgiveness and life because Jesus is the true God and eternal life is only in him. Again, as John said, he who has the son has life and he who has not the son of God does not have life. God grant you faith in your Lord Jesus. Amen. I ask you to please stand. Now the peace of God, which passes all understanding, keep your hearts and minds through Christ Jesus. continue by bringing forward our offerings. I ask you to please stand and join in the prayers of the church. Let us pray for the whole church of God in Christ Jesus and for all people according to their need. Heavenly Father, by your Holy Spirit, help us to humble ourselves under your mighty hand in times of trial, that at the proper time you may exalt us. Lord, in your mercy. Lord, you have provided pastors to preach your word, administer your sacraments, and shepherd your people. Guard them from leading your sheep astray. Grant that through their preaching, your people may be pierced by the law 
and saved by faith in the gospel. Finally, shield them from the assaults of the devil who would silence your word. Lord, in your mercy. Gracious Father, you watch and wait for the return of your wandering children. Look with compassion on our brothers and sisters who have left your house and squandered their inheritance in Christ. By your spirit, call them to repentance that they may return to your family embraced in your forgiving love. Lord, in your mercy. Lord of all, look with mercy on this land, its governments, and all nations. Preserve us from war and bloodshed and rebellion. Protect all pregnant mothers and their unborn children. Grant us good weather according to your will and protect those caught in storms or fires. Lord, in your mercy. Father, give all in our midst to suffer comfort in their trials, especially Dick who is in hospice care, Janet who is recovering from surgery. Move them to cast all their cares upon you, for you care for us. And at the proper time, grant health and healing in accord with your perfect will. Lord, in your mercy. O Lord, though we were lost and dead in our sins, yet your Son has found us and made us alive through his word. Lead us in joy to your table this day to partake of his body and blood, which were given and shed as a holy sacrifice for our sins. And grant that we would ever give thanks for your love and grace, along with the angels, archangels, and all the company of heaven. Lord, in your mercy. Lord God, Heavenly Father, we all like sheep have gone astray and have allowed ourselves to be led from the right path by Satan and our sinful flesh. We implore you graciously forgive us our sins for the sake of your Son, Jesus Christ, and in our hearts by your Holy Spirit that we may abide in your word in true repentance and steadfast faith and so continue in your church to the end and obtain eternal salvation the same Jesus Christ, your Son, our Lord, who lives and reigns with you in the Holy Spirit, one God, now and forever. Amen. You may be seated. We continue by singing hymn 308, Invited Lord by Boundless Grace.
stand. The Lord be with you. Lift up your heart. Let us give thanks unto the Lord our God. meet right and salutary that we should at all times and in all places give thanks unto thee O Lord Holy Father Almighty everlasting God therefore with angels and archangels and with all the company of heaven we laud and magnify thy glorious name evermore praising thee and saying us this day our daily bread and forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us and lead us not into temptation but deliver us from evil saying, Take, eat, this is my body which is given for you, this do in remembrance of me. After the same manner also he took the cup when he had supped, and when he had given thanks he gave it to them, saying, Drink ye all of it, this cup is the New Testament in my blood, which is shed for you for the remission of sins. This do as often as ye drink it, in remembrance of me. The peace of the Lord be with you always.
can. Now may this holy body and precious blood of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ strengthen and preserve you in the true faith unto life everlasting. Depart in peace, be of good cheer. Your sins are forgiven you for Jesus' sake. Amen. body and precious blood of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ strengthen and preserve you in the true faith unto life everlasting. Depart in peace, be of good cheer, your sins are forgiven you for Jesus' sake. This is the true body of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, given into death for all of your sins. And may God bless you and keep you in his baptismal grave. Take also and drink. This is the true blood of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ poured out for you for the full and free forgiveness of all of your sins. Now I ask you please to stand. May this, the true body and blood of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, Strengthen and preserve you in the one faith unto life everlasting. Heart in peace. Amen.
thanks unto the Lord. Father, fount and source of all goodness, who in loving kindness did send thine only begotten Son into the flesh, we thank thee that for his sake thou hast given us pardon and peace in this sacrament. And we beseech thee not to forsake thy children, but evermore to rule our hearts and minds by thy Holy Spirit, that we may be enabled constantly to serve thee. Through Jesus Christ, our Lord, who liveth and reigneth with thee in the Holy Ghost, Ever one God, world without end. The Lord be with you. Bless we the Lord. the benediction of the Lord. The Lord bless thee and keep thee. The Lord make his face shine upon thee and be gracious unto thee. The Lord lift up his countenance upon thee and give thee peace. You may be seated. We close by singing hymn 401. Praise to thee in adoration.
I'm curious about the name of the hymn. If you look at it in the top corner, uh, what language is it? It's what? No, it's not German, and it was translated, so I know it's not English. But, uh, beautiful hymn. As far as announcements today, uh, immediately following our service, well, within two or three minutes anyway, we'll, we'll try to hurry, uh, we will have our monthly voters meeting, and then uh, after that, we have a potluck dinner. Uh, this week, uh, on Wednesday, Instead of our Wednesday evening Bible study, Bishop Heiser will be here for his visitation. And so at seven o'clock, we will, you're welcome to come here. I'll also put it online uh, so that if any of you have questions for Bishop Heiser or just wanna listen in, uh, you can uh, join at that time and learn a little bit more about what's going on in Eldona and uh, ask questions if you, if you choose to do so. That'd be fine. You want my order now? Or? <laughs> Not Hawaiian. Oh. <laughs> but all of you can have Hawaiian. Um, the other announcement is the, the ladies' second Saturday brunch should, have been, should be next Saturday. However, uh, Lonnie and I will be driving two young men back to their parents in Kansas. So we won't be here, and I guess Tammy, you and Marty maybe are going to be gone as well. So is it sufficient or all right just to skip July and go to the second Sunday, second Saturday in August? Is that all right? Okay. Any other announcements this morning? Yes. We're glad to have them with us. They don't get to spend much time with us. We go up and stay there once in a while. They live in uh, a big house in Yoder, Kansas, which is a Mennonite community. Have an excellent restaurant, by the way, and a good place to buy sausage and meat if you wanna do that as well. And uh, they have dangerous women driving John Deere tractors around town. So other than that, uh, it's in the right place. It's kind of familiar to me because I spent eight weeks in uh, law enforcement training center, which is in Yoder, uh, on the old uh, Navy Air Base there. God's richest blessings to all of you, and we will begin our voters' assembly meeting shortly. Thank you.